I'm Jerome Davis. I'm the Artistic Director of Burning Coal Theatre Company, and I'd like to welcome everyone to Into the Fire, the Burning Coal Theatre Company podcast series on all things theatrical. Today we have with us uh, a very special guest, uh, an actress and uh, now a producer in our community as well, Miss Diana McQueen. Miss McQueen, welcome. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for joining us today. Um, we um, are very excited about McQueen and Company. You've uh, you. just had just finished your inaugural production, which was uh, "Fool for Love" by Sam Shepard. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how you, where you did it, and how, who you did it with, and how it went? Sure. Um, it was so fun, let me first say, but um, uh, I had been wanting to do Fool for Love for, I guess, a year, and I, f I was talking about it with Andy Hayworth, who directed it, and he had never read it before, and read it, loved it, and I was like, well, now we have to do it. And uh, I feel like the whole production was like the culmination of my last five years in Raleigh, because I feel like all the aspects that I've touched kind of lent itself and through that, uh, having met Ian Finley, and he works at Research Triangle High School, they graciously donated their space for our run, right. and that made the whole thing possible. Mm -hmm. And uh, through that, uh, we were able to build this amazing set. We were able to get all these amazing actors on board and all these amazing technical people like uh, Jenny uh, Becker uh, from Meredith College. Right. She did our lighting. and. Um, Amy Kirk Jones, who designed our fantastic set and was our technical director, so mm -hmm. it went really well. We were really overwhelmed by the response, and uh, we're excited to do another one. <laughs> That's great. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, the, the the press was quite good. I, I myself was out of town for the run, so I wasn't able to see it, but I've heard nothing but good things. Um, I'm just curious, uh, who played opposite you? Who, who who was the actor that played opposite you? We uh, we, we were trying to find an Eddie for a while, and yeah. it was very fortuitous that we ran into to one of our friends, Ryan Ledoux, mm -hmm. quite by accident at a bar, and we were, you know, already talking about the show amongst ourselves, and we realized that, oh, he could possibly he could be a very too. good Eddie, and so, yeah, after, yeah, he auditioned for us, and it was a really good fit, and he did an incredible job, I thought. It's a really, it's a really difficult role. It goes on quite a roller coaster of emotions from, and from the bravado to like the broken truth kind yeah. of at the end uh, climax. Lots of physical stuff too. Lots of physical stuff. That's why I was like, oh, this play is so short. This is great. It goes really fast. And then I started looking at the uh, physicality and the mm -hmm. fights and mm -hmm. the fights are like kind of the linchpin of the whole production. And yeah. they were really fun because we got Heather Strickland to do our fights and she always makes it fun. From Bear Theater? Mm-hmm. Well, I can't think of a better place to find your Eddie than at a bar. So yes, <laughs> we found him where he lives. Would have been better, but uh, <laughs> right. the, the bar at the rodeo would have been perfect. <laughs> but um, it was very thematic. <laughs> but that's great. Um, that's really terrific. And there are two other characters in Fool for Love. Right? Yes, they're uh, very interesting characters. They're uh, almost no less important than Eddie and May, who are the main characters. Mm -hmm. And they're these lovers who have gone through, uh, you know, break up back together, break up back together, and then May has extricated herself from the relationship shown up at this hotel at the edge of the desert which makes for a really cool you know look and feel and uh, yeah. it's very tense and hot and oppressive mm -hmm. and uh, um, Eddie shows back up but in their discussion you learn that May has a date coming to get her later that evening mm -hmm. and you don't know if she's telling the truth or not most of the time but then all of a sudden 
in Storms, the third character, Martin. Yeah, yeah. yeah and mm-hmm. um, which is hard to hide because there's four people in the show, so it's like you know someone's going to show up. Right. Um, but uh, Martin was played by Joshua Henderson, mm-hmm. who uh, is fantastic, and he does a lot of film and a lot of theater. Mm-hmm. And we met during a theater fest production um, in 2014, and he's just a delight to work with. And then the father is yes. part of the play as well. He's kind of like the whole reason for the play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's this kind of uh, spectral, not quite there. You don't know if he's really in the room or if he's in your head or if he's a ghost or if, you know. It's up to the audience mm-hmm. to decide. But um, there's this old man in a rocking chair off off stage, kind of stage uh, left, and uh, he was played by Joe Christian, who isn't new to uh, acting at all, but he is kind of coming back to Raleigh mm. and hasn't done theater in a while. But he really did an amazing job, and he's really fun to work with. And, yeah. We all had a good time. That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Andy, uh, uh, of course, uh, did a lot of stuff with us early on, um, mm-hmm. and he'll be stage managing one of our productions this year. Yes. Um, but he was my uh, very, f- I think he was my first intern. Uh, oh, cool. Years and years ago, if I'm not mistaken. If I got that wrong, Andy, forgive me. Don't don't come at me. <laughs> um, and then um, uh, Ian, of course, was our director of education for mm-hmm. years, so, mm-hmm. so we felt a little connected to that Absolutely. production. And you've yeah. done a couple of shows with us, so. Right yeah, yeah. Um, I was uh, I was really excited to meet Ian during Sunday in the Park with George, mm-hmm. which was amazing. And then right. uh, Written on the Heart was also a really fun experience. Right. right. So um, so now yeah. that you have a show under your belt as a as a producer, was that the first time you had done that? Or I had kind of a a, sh- a start with it mm-hmm. at a Women's Theater Festival in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, they were purposefully looking for people who wanted to, you know, start something new or switch jobs or, you know, try something. So I was like, well, I've never thought about being a director, but there's this script I have. So I pitched it mm-hmm. and it, it got voted in. And um, so I acted as kind of director and producer. Oh, okay. Yeah. I and I mean, the, the theater, uh, Women's Theater Festival financed it and gave me parameters and they, they got the space booking. Space. Yeah. So they, they did a lot of the mechanical production work. Yeah. yeah. And so, and uh, I did a lot of the in-house and scheduling and all yeah. that stuff. And yeah. It, yeah, I just loved it. And I almost liked the producing more than the directing. But uh, since it was my first time and it was such a heady script, it's a two-person play. And uh, mm-hmm. I had a fantastic cast. I had Rosalind Sorrell and uh, Carly Prentice-Jones, both of whom you've worked with before, too. Yes, and I saw the production. It was quite Oh, nice. that's right. And yeah. uh, thank you for coming. Sure. <laughs> it was so fun and it was just so fulfilling and... Uh, it was it was it was awesome. I was like, because I never directed before, it was like watching a play that I could like affect, you know. <laughs> like, so another another Burning Coal al- alumni, if you will, uh, Matt Hager has recently started mm. a company as well. So I'm seeing a lot of this sort of thing happening yes. right now, and I'm curious. What, so you talked about it being as fun or more fun than acting. Tell me about that a little bit. Like what what is the the value added for you as an artist uh, mm-hmm. serving in a producerial capacity. Sure. Well, I don't know if it's more fun than acting. Acting's definitely where it's at for me. So I come from a background of uh, graphic design and graphic arts. I have a BFA in design and uh, over 10 years experience in offices and in various industries uh, from 
nonprofit to uh, higher education to television and also like local uh, and startups so a lot of that uh, a lot of like, the office management organization vendor organization like that stuff I kind of already have in my wheelhouse and love, love to do um, it's just being stuck in an office all day that wasn't really doing yeah, it for me yeah. um, but it's kind of like the, theater production you get a little bit of both mm-hmm. you get you get to go to the theater you get to make sure everything's running smoothly you get to enable people who are really good at their jobs which is really fulfilling like you, you go to people and you go, what do you need? And then you have problems to solve. Mm-hmm. And that's really uh, fulfilling for me. But I, and I was talking to Matthew and I said, this is because I, 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 I started my company and I announced it, but I was a little hesitant to announce it because it's, you know, just a baby thing. You know, I don't know for how long I'm going to do it or, yeah. you know, I don't know how it's going to go. So I'm a little scared. And then all of a sudden Matthew's like right behind me. I have a company too. And I'm like, oh, oh, I didn't know you were doing that at all. And I was so excited uh, that he was doing it because I know he's amazing and he's really passionate at what he does. Yes. And he had all these great connections uh, to the local businesses downtown and mm-hmm. uh, Emerge, which is such a great space that he did his show in that I didn't even know about. Mm-hmm. So it kind of opened my eyes to all of these other possibilities because he took a different, completely different course from what I did. And we were talking and I think that it's, it's almost an immediate direct response to a bunch of the older kind of smaller spaces closing. Uh, common ground and um, deep dish and uh, then the arts center kind of taking a different tack on how they want to do things and the Durham arts yeah yeah or the Carborough Carborough uh, center yeah they definitely have moved out of the producing plays yeah that's too bad because that's a really great space um, but uh, you know things change things things move but I think it's like that vacuum I, we were we were touching on that a little bit. And yeah. So so in in the case of you and Matthew and I'm sure other examples, uh, um, I'm going to forget uh, uh, exit through Eden uh, that Eric Hale has been involved with, mm, mm-hmm. and the one that John Honeycutt is involved with, uh, and I'm forgetting their oh, name. Oh, Southstream Productions. Southstream, with yeah, Brooke that's North. right. With yes, Brooke, yeah. Yes. Um, in in all of those instances, the the. Um, producers are also actors and and I'm reminded that for really for centuries that's how it was mm-hmm. there were actor managers right who would who, who sort of led a company um, is this something that's gonna happen uh, for a long time to come do you think I mean is this a is this a project that will be um, uh, repeated uh, more regularly as we as we go forward, or you mean in the community, or well, and across the world, uh, oh, anywhere. I, I don't know. I don't think. I think it's a natural progression to want to uh, move up and have more creative control, or or at least more ability to uh, corral resources. Like mm-hmm. was I noticed that I had a lot of connections to things that. Um, that that could that I could facilitate something happening, uh, and one yeah. of those one of the things that the the community desperately needs is space, an yeah. affordable space. Because there's I mean there's um, there's amazing professional theater we bring down from New York. There's like NCT. There's all these levels of mm-hmm. theater, you know, and not necessarily levels of quality. They're just right. you know money amounts. Right. And then we have wonderful independent theater, and then we have kind of just beneath that, like you guys. You mm-hmm. guys are independent theater, but mm-hmm. you've been established. You've been here mm-hmm. for a while, and you also rent out your space. You have a dedicated space. Yeah. So then, then we have all of these independent theaters that, you know, much older than me, that my 
company that yeah. have been around that produce really high quality, low budget theater, but they don't have a you know space. Right. They, that's like the biggest struggle is like where Bear do we do comes this? To mind, exactly. Uh, a little green pig in Durham. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Okay. And they get really creative about it. I mean, mm-hmm. Bear and Little Green Pig really tackle that problem with finesse, and they do lots mm-hmm. of really cool stuff. And now that Bear has a relationship with Raleigh Little Theater, that's produced a lot of really mm-hmm. amazing outdoor theater that I've been really impressed with. And so mm-hmm. uh, I'm really excited to see that happening. So I, I guess um, I got really lucky with this production because everything just seemed like it was already, it had already happened. Mm-hmm. I just had to meet it in the future. That's yeah. what it feels like. But, um, well, you were taking advantage of, of um, uh, uh, connections that you had made uh, in, in this art form over mm-hmm. the last several years. I assume with a middle name like Cameron that you are from this area originally. Is that correct? Or? Oh, no, uh, no, really. I'm from New Jersey. My parents are from oh, New right. Jersey and New York. Yeah, and like I guess you know, two or three generations ago, we were from Europe. So, so not uh, related to the Camerons like Cameron Indoor Stadium and all those? Mm- might be like back in Scotland because that's that's the side of the family that I think the name got passed down. So maybe you should start calling them up. Well, yes. <laughs> Do one of those ancestry.com things. Make sure you use your middle name when you apply for grants. That's right. all I would say. And keep quiet about that New Jersey thing. You know. Uh, no. Um, I do see my name a lot, and I'm like, oh, yeah. hey, cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's fascinating. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me about. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about you personally, but before we get off of the McQueen and Company subject, I'd like yeah. to ask you um, what um, you see going forward for the company right now. Like, do you have a a strong vision of what? Uh, the next year will look like the next five years, uh, and and do you yet have you yet put together a mission for your company? I actually have. I actually uh, just wrote one up. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not the best writer, so I've actually got a couple friends looking at it. But I did. I, I have a very clear vision of what I want to do, uh-huh. and um, it's it's nothing. Uh, you know that other people haven't aimed for in the past, but mm-hmm. um, my my goal is to create a, a sustainable company that pays all of its members, um, yeah. and 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 you know not necessarily eliminates volunteers because that gets the community involved sure. and people who you know only have a few hours to give but they want to be involved but in the core members of the cast and crew I want to make sure that our budgets include paying actors and I feel like that's been one thing that's always been kind of assumed is that oh I want to do a play oh don't worry I don't have to pay anybody I just have to afford the space in the set and I feel like posters yeah and like no no offense to that but i feel like we need to start treating acting like a job and not mm-hmm. just a something you do in your spare time or something that you give away for free yep. uh and i really admire burning coal for paying people um we and, do uh, and we pay, we pay everyone except our front of house volunteers right of which there are dozens and dozens each year and, and even they get free tickets to the show but exactly but anybody who works on a production uh, does receive some pay. We're we're not where we would like to be there, but, but it is a mutual uh, goal. And yeah. yeah, I feel like if you put it off, you you, you just keep putting it off. It's yeah. one of those things. If you want to do it, so that's why I made it part of my core goals. And another one, one of the one of the goals when I published the mission when it's written in coherent English, uh-huh. <laughs> not a rambly mess like I write, but. Um, uh, you know, diversity is really important to me, mm-hmm. and representation, and 
on stage and off stage, which has been a really hot button topic for the last couple of years, so especially with the Women's Theater Festival and mm -hmm. uh, a lot of other things. And I want to cultivate. Um, you know, I hate like go into communities that I don't have networks in, and and make sure that they know that the door is open, and I want to see them, and mm -hmm. I want to give, I want to do plays that uh, give the opportunity to you know casting in a variety of ways, mm -hmm. um, and I also want to because as a producer, see that's like as a director, like I feel like a lot of people come at this job like we want to do this one show, or I want to be in this one show, or I want to direct this one show, and I want to be a producer who. Uh, like talks to people and is a producer and it's like oh do you want to do this show like you know and it has maybe culturally different from me and I can't really bring anything to mm -hmm. it except I can help you organize it and connect you to people so what is it and this this topic you're talking about the diversity topic is is an extraordinarily important one and, and mm -hmm. one that is becoming more uh, developing more and more critical mass mm -hmm. but but I continue to, to to ask myself the question what is the um, responsibility of the producer toward uh, his or her own aesthetic mm. versus the aesthetic of others. Where is that line, uh, or is there a line? Um, oh, do you mean between the director and producer, or between between what you want to do, having oh. lived the life that you've lived and had the experiences you've lived, and what someone who lived an entirely different life wants to do? It's a it's a tricky thing. Uh, especially because I want to hear other people's stories. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you do too. Other people, they, we want to mine new stories. We want to, we yeah. want to hear stories that are not necessarily told all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and in doing that, it's a risk because, you know, people tend to tune out, you know, so they, things that don't reflect them, you know, but we've all been trained that way. So overcoming that is hard, but also uh, doing the how and the why, I wanted, I wanted to cast it with black women. Mm -hmm. And that was really important to me because I, I saw the script and it had, it had all these um, things embedded in it that, you know, it, it, it kind of... It was obviously written for perhaps two Jewish women in New York, yeah. you know, and uh, I felt like it wouldn't take that much mm -hmm. changing, really. You didn't have to change the script at all to, to make these women any, anyone, well, you know. One, one of them was a high-level high uh, professor, as I recall. Is that right? Mm -hmm. and, and so the question would be, why would we assume that was a white person. Exactly. Uh, right, and if the script doesn't demand that. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and it really didn't. It, yeah. I mean, their names were obviously of Jewish heritage, mm -hmm. um, and and that was made apparent in the script. They, they but I mean, there's not it's not necessarily saying that she didn't convert or, you know, her they're, parents they're were Jewish. Jewish Africans, too. Exactly. Yeah, so sure. it, it really wasn't a barrier. And, uh, but I, I, as a director, I, you know, I, as a producer, I kind of saw aesthetically what I, what I wanted to have happen. Mm -hmm. But as a director, I told my actresses, like, I want you to feel free to create these characters however you want like as actors you know do do the thing that you're good at mm -hmm. and i want you to bring your own you know and honestly culture sounds too heavy-handed but you know your own experiences your own i want i want to see y y you guys be these characters and i c and there's certain aspects of that that me as a white woman directing the play can't tell you to do or can't think of you know right. so i want you to give me ideas as well mm -hmm. so it was it, i tried to open that door as much as possible where they felt like you know can i say this differently or would this help and it, it i i i think we accomplished something where they were 
they were at least free to to express themselves as as they wanted to in these no. character roles. No. And I think it came out in in the characters, and they were very natural and and, and beautiful. And I really enjoyed watching it. So, so I'm hearing uh, I'm hearing pay the artists. I'm hearing uh, <laughs> diversity. Is there any other sort of points that you want to discuss for our listeners? Uh, that McQueen and Company will be will be aiming for in the future. Yeah, uh, I think like a a really big blown out goal, and it's obviously not something I can do on myself. Would be to create some kind of public stage that we could all share somehow, mm-hmm. and like all of these, in and you know, just to have another option. You know, not not as to compete, but just to open the door to like people who want to experiment with a static set, you know, yeah. or something like that. You know, where where they were doing, you know, like out shows because they had to now they can choose to do an outdoor show or they could like you know just to add I think that for McQueen and company to facilitate uh, creating a space like that Mm. would be a huge dream and goal of mine especially around here because I know the kind of theater that it would attract and it would be amazing yeah Yeah, yeah, but that's that's not something I think I can do on my own no, but you can uh, start it. Start the ball rolling. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Which uh, I have a, no doubt you will do uh, very soon. Uh, that's great, uh, Diana. Um, so tell me, uh, New Jersey, the uh, mm-hmm. place of your birth, when did you come to North Carolina? Uh, it's kind of funny. I've moved around a lot. Like So after New Jersey, we, I, I was just born there. We, we lived there maybe a year. And oh. then we moved to Charlotte. And okay. um, it was my, my dad, you know, uh, different jobs that uh-huh. he he like headhunting, you know. He was a yeah. chemical salesman and stuff. Okay. So we ended up in Charlotte for like a year and a half, and then bounced around to um, Pets- Pittsburgh for a few years, and then Chicago for a few years. And then my parents wanted to retire, mm-hmm. and they remembered how wonderful North Carolina was mm. in the eighties, I guess. <laughs> and yeah. they uh, it's still pretty wonderful. It's still I think it's gotten even more wonderful, but uh, yeah. I couldn't remember it from when I was two. <laughs> right. Right. And so from Chicago, we came to Raleigh, and they. They wanted to retire here, so mm-hmm. they picked it, and then I went to high, middle school, high school, and then Ultimate UNCG here. Oh, no yeah, kidding. I didn't know that. Yeah, and then I then I moved away for a while, uh, did some did some jobs up and down the East Coast, and mm-hmm. then uh, ended up in Maine and New York and DC, and then I came back. New York City, mm-hmm. New York City. Okay. Yeah, New York City. When, yeah. When were you in New York City? I was there from like 2008, 2009. I was working at a uh, comic book startup, which was my dream at the time, so because I wanted to draw comic books my whole young life, and I was a, a graphic artist. I drew comic books and. It's that bright red hair that uh, yes. <laughs> looked like a character in the Spider-Man or something. Oh, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Mary Jane, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, I love Jean Grey the, um, from X-Men comics, so uh, I, I, I use pictures of her on Facebook a lot. <laughs> when you were at UNCG, were you doing uh, graphic design or were you doing theater? Or? I was doing I was doing graphic design. Uh-huh. Um, my, my theater education was basically my parents just being patrons of the arts mm-hmm. my whole life. They went to opera and ballet and theater a lot and um, and the symphony and mm-hmm. ball- did I say ballet? We went to yeah. ballet. And so like every weekend we were at something. Um, and so I saw a lot of theater. And of course, you know, being a kid, the things that I remember are like the chandelier from Phantom of the Opera really like changed my life. Mm-hmm. It was so amazing to see. And I think that was in Chicago. And then I also saw the tour of the revival tour of Cabaret in Chicago and the ending really like like, I, I swear, I was really little, but, like, for the whole play, I had no idea what I was watching. This was the Sam Mendes uh, yeah. production, yeah. The with Alan Cumming? Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. And yeah. It, it, I was like, what is this? And then, and then at the end, I was like, oh, my God. You know, yeah. it really hit me. And, and yeah. um, 
Uh, yeah, and then it all came together for how, me. How old were you, just out of curiosity? Oh, gosh. I, I think I was less than 10, around 10. You know that uh, Thurber uh, was an ASM on that production, on that no touring production, way. don't you? Yeah, he, he toured around with it. In fact, he went back on tour. They've revived it oh, again. Oh, he said that. Yeah, he's out on, out on the road with it, I think, still. Uh, he oh. may have come off the road now, but he's, uh, he's been on the road for most of the last year. Well, that was clearly why it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. You could, Thurber's was, amazing. Uh, an aura about that. Uh, yes. Um, Simi and I uh, saw him in New York a couple. This is uh, for our listeners who might be uh, wondering what the hell we're talking about uh, Thurber was the stage manager for our production of Sunday in the Park with George, which Diana uh, sang and acted very beautifully in, and, and which I directed. Uh, and Thurber um, is a professional equity stage manager, um, and uh, we saw him in New York at um, Pacific Overtures. We saw a production of Pacific Overtures with... Um, Oh, God, George Takai. Oh, um, and we found out, uh, as we were standing in the lobby afterward, uh, that it was his 80th birthday oh my God. that day. And he had been on stage, you know, singing Sondheim, yeah. prancing around the stage. That's the how I want to spend my birthdays. <laughs> that's how I want to spend my, I want to spend my 80th birthday yes. doing anything. <laughs> Absolutely. But, uh, yeah. Well, Diana, this is great. This is fantastic. Uh, we're very excited about the emergence of the new company and and of course if there's any way that burning coal can be helpful uh going forward don't hesitate to ask we have a a few resources uh, at our disposal so so thank you for joining us for the podcast and thank our listeners for joining us again today thank you for having me bye everybody 